Salmon River Country. I'm Mike Palmer. I'm the pastor at Salmon Valley Baptist Church, and it is a pleasure to be with you today on KSRA Radio. And once again, Trey Sapp would like to welcome people into the Western Wild podcast, those listeners there. He's serving as producer again today. He's in the room. He's over here smiling awkwardly as I talk about him. So I could say anything I wanted to right now, Trey, and you don't have a microphone or the capability to defend yourself. We may just go for the next 29 minutes and talk about you. So no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We've got our friend John Avent. John Avant. Uh, you're our friend. I don't know your name, John. <laughs> We've got our friend John Avant back with us. And uh, uh, if you didn't hear our last radio show or our last podcast, look that up. Uh, listen to that. About 29 minutes worth of content there. And uh, you can learn a little bit more about him and a little bit more of the con- uh, conversation, the content that we've been talking about. Um, John is president, right, of yes. Life Action Ministries. And uh, his wife, Donna, they have children. They have grandchildren. I mean, he's sitting here with this mug that's got a family tree just full of grandkids <laughs> down there, man. That's pretty good. I like that they're bears. That's, I know. Uh, that Papa makes John me, and the Cubs. Papa they're, John and the Cubs. Yeah. It's not a baseball team, and it's not a rock band. <laughs> Although John at one time, but that's another whole thing <laughs> way right. back a long time ago. I was ago. thinking, Papa John and the Cubs. When, mm. he, when he had more hair. That's right. Um but we spent our last time together talking about um, Christianity around the world and honestly just the tremendous movement of God around the world today and how Christianity is growing faster. We're seeing more revival and awakening than any time in human history. Um, and in places that our... American mindset mindset might say it's not going to happen there, like some of the hardest countries in the Middle East, yes, uh, or some of the darkest places in South America. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that God's working there vibrantly and powerfully and miraculously, and the church is growing at the greatest rate it's ever grown. And while we in the Western world, uh, Europe and, and North America, Look at church numbers, if we go statistically, church attendance, church numbers, uh, we hear and we see Christianity on the decline. And we talked about the contrast of that, John. And uh, and we've talked about, uh, you know, just looking at what's going on in the world, what's going on here. And I, I want to kind of jump off today as a follow-up to that last conversation um, with one question, we'll see where this goes from here. How do we turn the tide in our country? If Christianity is growing in such major ways, if the rest of the world, except for the Western world, is seeing revival. Um, John, I've, I've known a lot of people that have prayed for revival. I've known a lot of people. I've prayed for awakening. You've prayed for it. Um, sometimes get prior tired of it. Sometimes I, I pray for it more and then I back off and then I come at it again. You know, just to be honest, I'm not every day on my knees begging for it. That, that I may be part of the problem, but, um, what do we need to do in this country in well, particular? Well, you used the word tide a minute ago, and that's an interesting word. Um, I did not plan that. <laughs> well, you know, our, uh, one of, one of my mentors, uh, was Dr. Roy Fish at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. 
just a uh, a hero among uh, among evangelical scholars. Yeah, he was quite the guy. Uh, unbelievable. I'll tell you a story real quick. Yeah. I sat down with him one time for lunch, and he says, now, where are you from, Mike? And I said, Salmon, Idaho. Our local listeners will love this. I said, Salmon, Idaho. He says, I know where that's at. I said, Dr. Fish, there's no way. Nobody's ever looked at me anywhere. Now, we're in Atlanta, Georgia. And he goes, uh, no, I know exactly where that is. And he started talking about the Limhi River and the Limhi Mountains. and a bit. I said, how do you know this? He goes, I study maps. I've never been there, but I study maps, and I know where Salmon, Idaho is. Wow. But he talked about the Limhi River and the mountains here. He could name I, – I, I was so fascinated. I was like, this is awesome. That's You're crazy. You're incredible, Dr. Fish. <laughs> oh, So on him. the side, he's an incredible evangelist. Yeah. Well-known, well-loved, beloved figure. He's with the Lord now, and he's doing better yes. than all of us. That's right. But uh, he knew where Salmon, Idaho was. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? It is. Because he liked to study maps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was free. No, I interrupted good. you here. That's a, Back to that's the tide. Back to the I'd tide. Never heard. Yeah, he he taught um, a group of us the history of spiritual movements, and he said throughout our country, not even talking about other other country spiritual movements, just in America, that revival has been like the tide, and um, that when the tide comes in, it obviously comes in just after it's as far out as it can go. Mm. And then it comes rushing in. And he said revival's been much like that. So when we he said when we see things culturally at their very worst, um, that's certainly a sign of the brokenness and the danger in our nation. Um, but it's not a sign that revival mm. um, is impossible or that, uh, that uh, the church is going away. Um, we've had people think that many, many times in the oh, history sure. of our country. Sure. Probably the most recent time, um, if if you were alive in the '60s and you you were like, well, no one's going to church anymore, and the, a lot of the churches don't believe anything. If they do go, and uh, these hippies are about to destroy America, and we've got horrible racial uh, divisions and yeah. riots and uh, and political corruption. Uh, I mean, a whole lot of things that sound an awful lot like today. Very much so. And everybody said there is no hope whatsoever. The church is done. In fact, the whole phrase "God is dead," you know, came out of that movement. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, on the coast of California. A movie's coming out about it um, in about a month, I think. I would urge everybody to go see the Jesus Revolution. God began to stir among the most unlikely of people, the people that were as far from him as they could possibly be. You mean he didn't start at the church? Did not start at the church. Weird. In fact, the church people had to decide whether they would open their doors to people um, that smelled like like marijuana or or worse and uh, didn't have shoes and looked really weird and dressed strange and talked weird. And most churches said no. Yeah. And um, I know of one uh, uh, evangelist who told me he led 100 hippies to Jesus in Orlando, Florida, and called 10 churches and asked them, can I bring these hippies um, to church on Sunday? They need a church. And and all 10 said, no, don't bring hippies here. And one of them called him back later and said, that, uh, I'm the senior pastor. Did a staff member tell you not to bring hippies to our church? And he said, yeah. And he goes, well, he's an idiot. Bring those hippies <laughs> to our church. And so it's one out of 10. And and yet God stirred the whole nation through what came to be called the Jesus movement through what happened in that through that first group of crazy hippie followers of Jesus. John, when I was about uh, thirteen years old, we had a new pastor. Right, the church I grew up in was extremely stable. The previous two pastors had been there over thirty years, 
And uh, but we got we got, and and you know one of them retired. He got a little age, a little age on him. He retired, and uh, we had a new pastor come, and uh, he left a community in incredible revival, incredible revival. He he told me stories, and I've heard him talk about. We had a revival that started on Sunday morning, supposed to go through Wednesday, and. By Friday, we were in the high school gymnasium, or Thursday, we were in the high school gymnasium, and the next week, they actually canceled the Friday night football game <laughs> because the revival service has moved into the stadium. Mm-hmm. And he said on Sunday morning, kids would be coming off the beach there in Florida. He said they'd come in in cutoffs and halter tops and no shoes. He said they were sitting around the platform because we didn't have any more seats. And he said, I'd look at him and say, just leave me room to preach up here. And... uh God was moving in tremendous ways, and that church told him, "We don't like all these people here." Oh yeah, he said, well, then "You're you're you're not gonna like me here either." Yeah, I mean that, that <laughs> you know? was a I mean, that, story. There were, there were churches who embraced, and there were churches who pushed away. I had a lot of seminary professors who would tell you that their salvation came out of the Jesus movement. Well, mine they sure were did. a drug addict and a hippie at the time. Yeah, most of the people I know in ministry in my gener- my age group yeah. were either influenced by it strongly yeah. or came to Christ through it. I I was a mess. We were joking about uh, about uh, about a rock band called Papa John and the Cubs. I kind of like that the more I think about it. <laughs> but I was the lead singer of a rock band. I was smoking a little weed. It was you know, my kids can't stand to hear that story. They think, Dad, just don't even talk about that. But um, I was kind of a wannabe hippie and. Um, Somebody turned around in study hall, a girl named Dottie, and invited me to come hear her sing. Hmm. And I thought, well, she's pretty. She's a blonde-haired girl. I'll go anywhere she wants me to go. <laughs> yes, right. I didn't know it was church. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I didn't know anything about the Jesus movement, but I heard the gospel. I'd never heard it. Right. Never understood it. And uh, and certainly never heard it accompanied with music that I liked. Yeah. And, and it rocked my world. And, and I came to faith in Christ, and I've never been the same since and that's the story of of thousands in fact back in the days when we had hard copy magazines uh, were a bigger deal uh you can go back to i believe 1972 and the cover of time magazine is about the jesus revolution and and so you know that that came out of a time very much like the mess we're in right now so we're so I'm poised. Not discouraged we're yeah. we're po- we're on the edge we're at low tide well and i think you know i, I often put it this way if you if 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 you're swimming in a sewer and living there, and just it's nasty. They're just the most horrible environment you can imagine. And somebody lifts the manhole cover and says, "What are you doing down there? Yeah. There's there's a, a waterfall and clear water right here. If you just come up here, you can have it for yourself. Sooner or later, even yeah. if everybody you know is in the sewer, you're yeah. probably going to climb up there and take a look. Yeah. And so you ask, how do we turn the tide? Right." I think I think what we must have, we don't have to have, um, uh, God's never worked with a whole bunch of people. He likes small remnants of people, but we have to have at least a remnant of the followers of Christ in America who um, can, can show those in the sewer what it's like to live in the waterfall spring-fed mm-hmm. fountain. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm seeing that. I'm I'm in a church like that. I'm yeah. I'm I'm seeing the fact that God is raising up new churches and He's reviving yes. churches that have been around a long time. Yes, He is. That where people are going don't want to live like we've been living. Want to follow Jesus, and 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 following Him looks different from from the maybe the average church of our of our day in America. Yeah, as you know, John, I I, I hang out with church planters. Uh, 
and uh, you know, I hear a lot of people talking about all oh, this younger generation, all oh, these younger kids. Da, da da da. Man, I tell you what, I'm excited every time I'm around them. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to spend a couple of days next week on a college campus. I'm going to try to do that at a couple of college campuses because I'm seeing these young people who are saying, I'm going to chase the dream. I'm not going to chase anything else, man. I'm going to get a job. I, I'm going to, I'm going to work a job to be able to support my ministry. And I'm going to start a church in a, in a hard place, a difficult place. Not, I'm going to go pastor someplace that's going to pay me a good salary and I can just back. We got to have those two. But I'm amazed at this younger generation as I spend time with them and hang out to see their love for Jesus and following him and, and revitalizing churches and, and, and planting churches, and God's making a difference through them. Well, the ministry I lead, we believe in the next generation yeah, so much that we recruit uh, 18 to 25-year-olds, and uh, we, we vet them, we train them. And then we formed them into teams and we put them on buses and send them all around everywhere. And right now, if somebody calls us today and says, hey, could could you send a team to our church or to our university? We're serving universities. Uh, even even secular universities are starting to ask us to to help. Um, if you call us right now, we probably can't schedule you until sometime in 2024. Mm. And so. We are not at a place of no return. We no. have churches um, that are begging for um, God to move. Uh, Mike, one of those teams is coming here in, uh, in, in April. And you'll, you'll hear about that on the radio here, KSRA. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. So, man, if you're listening, uh, and set aside time. Come and seek God. See what he might do. We're seeing it all over the country. Um, in December, um, uh, actually in November, uh, our team... Um, served at Anderson University for three days. The, the whole the whole university, it's a Christian university. And um, we were excited about what the Lord did there. And during the midst of it, um, a leader from Clemson w- was there and asked to meet with me. We met, it was wonderful. And he said, would you come speak at Clemson? And uh, it was the middle of finals week. And I think we had close to 300 students show up um, who had no reason to be there. They weren't getting chapel credit or anything. They just came because yeah. they're longing to see God do something on a secular campus. And they said, hey, John, could you stay the next morning? Uh, there might be a handful of these students that would either skip class or or um, <laughs> or, or would um, don't have class that might want to talk to you about where we go from here. Well, we had 25 students come and spend the whole morning wow. saying, what could we do to see God move mightily at Clemson University, not right. a Christian school? Right. And and so I see things like this, and um, I I really believe we actually are poised, and that I think there's some practical things that the average um, Christian can do and the average church can do um, to help move us in the direction of the revival of the Western Church. Well, let's talk about those for a minute. Yeah, we want to hear that. Here's number one. I think um, if you are a follower of Jesus, you should take the book of Acts. Mike, why don't you open up Acts 4, and you should read what the church looked like when they were changing the world. Now, you think Mm -hmm. about um, in Acts chapter 4, what you have is a group of nobodies um, until uh, they met Jesus um, and until the Holy Spirit filled them up. um, They were cowards. They were... They ran away from Jesus when he died. Um, there were a group of, um, uh, one of them denied that he even knew him mm-hmm. three times. 
Um, and then there were a group of women that in that day were about the level of cattle culturally. They had right. no abilities. These people had no political power, no ability to, to vote and change anything. And eventually they would be persecuted and pursued like animals. I started to say they had an oppressive government. At oh, time. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and a culture. A horrible culture, horrible yeah. government. Yeah. Uh, it, it, we always think we're in the worst time. Far, far, far oh, worse no. than where we are no. today. Things that you, I wouldn't even say. Were out loud, they were right. so morally repugnant. Right. And that group, that group took the entire Roman Empire. But I think we have to read about them and then analyze how much do we look like that in our churches today. Mike, read or, one or, of those passages. Or how much do we want to. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, John, I'm in Acts chapter 4. I'm starting in verse 32 and reading. Read verse 31. Well, verse 31, yeah, because it's pretty good. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. And this is what it looked like. It's what the church looked like. All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. I'm reading the Bible here, people. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in needs. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. So take take uh, kind of a comparison. Take a sheet, maybe draw a line and say um, what what we see in, in our churches and what we saw there. Yeah. And um, do we... Do we do we expect God to move in powerful ways, or on the other side of that paper, are we just showing up because Mama told us we should go to church? Right. Uh, on one side of the paper, will we sacrifice for the needs of our brothers and sisters so that um, uh, no one among us is starving? Or on the other side of of the uh, of the paper, um, do we not even know anybody because at this church because we're just sitting in a big room uh, once a month if we're if we view ourselves as good Christians, yeah, we don't even know anybody enough to help meet their needs. On or one we don't know if they have a need. Exactly. On one side of the of the paper, um, believing that the story of Jesus is our life, and we're going to make sure everybody in our circle um, has a chance to hear it in engaging ways. We're going to love them and serve them and boldly proclaim to them. Mm. On the other side of the paper, we we view um, people that don't know Jesus as our enemy and. Um, uh, and dislike them and hate them and say bad things about them publicly. Okay, so what we're seeing now on those two sides of the paper is one side um, in the American church today doesn't look anything remotely no. like no. what the church is meant to be. And so I think the first step is to um, uh, to read passages like that and to ask yourself, am I a part of anything like that? And the answer may very well be No. And so step number two is you don't have to leave your church. You don't have to run away. Um, if, you're, hmm. if you're in a small group or a class in your church, meet with them and read that and yeah. say, why don't we look like this? Yeah. Guys, can we, what if we committed to hold each other accountable to pursue this, to pray for this, to ask God to make us this? And then step three, start practically moving that direction. Hold each other accountable. Every Sunday, say, what have we done to this week? What, have we done anything together um, to, um, to proclaim the gospel, to love people that don't know him? 
What are, what are our needs in this group? Do we care about each other? Are we listening? And just walk through those things and begin to actually do them in a small group of believers, either in a, it doesn't matter where, a classroom at your church, in your home. Um, and when you begin to do those things, then you are beginning the process of being a yeah. small group of people that God could use to revive and change your church. Absolutely. We're seeing it happen in the church where, where I am. It's a bunch of young adults um, meeting in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, um, where my home is, even though I'm not there that much. Um, they're black. They're white. Some of them are other races, too. It's mostly black and white. Um, we didn't try to be interracial. We hoped we would be. But our core group is about 40 white people. They're white as Wonder Bread. Yeah. And why in the world do we have black people and white people to love each other now? Because that's what the gospel does when we really live it out. Right. Um, most of us that are older there... Um, we're seeking to be just wisdom and love and and uh, counsel for these young, fired up followers of Jesus. And if you ask them, how come you come here black and white together? Um, and when, when in our greater society, it seems like everybody wants to kill each other. And the answer has been, I find love here. People listen to each other here. People care about each other's hearts. They grieve together when somebody hurts. We're not trying to fix everything and decide who's right and who's wrong about everything. We love Jesus. We love each other. And we love people who don't know him yet. And we've determined to do something about it together. Mm. Listen, there's churches doing that right now all across America. Become one. Be a part of one. And then the rest is up to God. He'll He'll take you and take your church and begin to use it um, to bring revival and change our nation. He's already done it several times in our history. Why shouldn't he do it again? Yeah, yeah. That's a convicting passage. That is a convicting passage. And I think sometimes in our culture today, we look at a passage like that, and if we read it, we get a cultural pushback that... uh, what you just read doesn't look like cultural America. Mm-mm. And we get a pushback that says, well, that's not who we are. And Well, that's right. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. And that's the yeah. issue. Uh, we have come to the point of, uh, you know, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. And if you're not, if I'm a Republican and you're a Democrat, we're not just different politically. You're an idiot. You're an in- You're my enemy. Right. Um, even if we wanted to think that way. The Bible tells us we love our enemies and pray for the folks that persecute us. Right. Right? Exactly. Please now don't hear me saying that that you know Democrats persecute or Republicans persecute whatever. I've just used one example there. Right. Um but we've drawn so many lines like that. We've drawn so many lines. We've drawn religious lines like that. Mm-hmm. We can have religious prejudice just as well. Yes. You know? Um you know, there'd be people who, well, I got on an airplane and the person next to me is wearing a turban, man. I'm I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Guess what? Um, even if you're terrified, <laughs> if you want to presume that to be an enemy, then you should be praying for them and loving them. Yeah. Right? Right? So this passage of Scripture, man, it, it kind of hits us right between the eyes if we say that's what the church that turned the world upside down looked like. Well, and we can see it. We can still see it today. We just usually have to get on an airplane. Right. And I I would encourage everybody that's a serious follower of Jesus to look for an opportunity some point in the near future to go overseas. There's plenty of ways to do that. 
and go to a place. You don't have to go to a place where they're going to throw you in jail or you're going to you're going to end up a political prisoner. There's plenty of places in the world where you can go and see the church that looks just like that mm-hmm. in, in in our times in our day. But what you find is people who um, they they have nothing to gain in in, in in that we would consider happiness, and yet they're full of joy and peace and life. And when you see it. It, you come back with a passion to to have to have it and experience it um, right here, and I would encourage everyone to go be a part of it, experience yeah. that, and uh, God will change your life through it. Mm. We're afraid of that, John. Mm-hmm. We're afraid of that. Oftentimes, we sure are. Wow, we've got a we've we've got several minutes left here, but we're talking about around the world. We're talking about what we can do as Christians um, to make a difference, to see the church come alive and to see revival and to seek revival. Um, John, there's plenty of folks listening right now that don't know Christ. And they need, they need just personal revival. They need, well, that's not even revival. They need life in Christ. Yes. They don't need new life necessarily, uh, you know, a resurgence of what they have. They need life in Christ. Mm-hmm. Let's talk to those folks for yeah. for about three and a half minutes here. Yeah, not too long ago, uh, my wife and I were at a restaurant, and we were um, we were there with a couple that we love very much, who were supposed to be. Uh, she was supposed to be recovering in surgery. Um, she had breast cancer. That morning, they had prepared her for surgery, and the doctor had another emergency and could not do the surgery. They were brokenhearted. They needed to get this tumor out, and they needed to, to, to move to a new, a new season of life. And we said, you know, let's just go to dinner. Let's go love each other, spend some time together. And we did. And while we're sitting there, a waitress came over to us, and, uh, and she had a, a Bible verse tattooed on her arm. And we started talking to her, and she was not a follower of Jesus. She said, but I do love my mother, and this is a verse she prays for for me. Wow. And so I, I tattooed it on my arm. We said, what? Why, don't, why don't you follow Jesus? She said, well, I just kind of feel like he would, he would show me if he was real. And I've been praying, if he's real, show me. And I said, well, Cassie, you've got four missionaries that were supposed to be at a hospital right now, and instead they're right here talking to you. And I said, I want you to, I want you to take some time. We're not going to be rushed. And as you're serving other customers, you just start thinking, is this my answer? Did God bring me to hear mm-hmm. someone and someone right here to me today? Mm-hmm. And I need to respond. And she spent a long time with other customers and she finally came back to us and she said, I believe this is right. God brought you here. He brought you here to me. And we prayed with her right there in that restaurant. And she became a follower of Christ. And since then, uh, has been sharing Christ with others. Now, right there where you are, uh, I want to ask you, look, I don't, I don't live here. I, I travel all over the place. And, I'm, and, and my home is on the other side of the country, about as far away. You almost can't get there from here. Right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And yet here I sit, and you're listening. And I want to ask you, could it oh, be that God has come to you right where you are, and is saying to you today, I want you to receive me. And if that is you, then I'd like to leave you, lead you in prayer right now. And you can know him as your Savior. So you don't have to know everything. You don't have to understand anything, everything. 
But if you will believe that he came and lived and died for you and rose for you, then pray with me right now and tell him, say, Jesus, I believe. I don't understand a lot of this, but I believe. And I ask you to come into my life and forgive my sin. And I want to follow you the rest of my life. And I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer, then that's exactly what's happened. Jesus met you, yeah, and you know him now, and your life will never be the same. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's right. The Lord told us that. Everyone, even you. Isn't that powerful that we can know the God of all creation? Friend, if you prayed that prayer, or if you have questions, or you want to talk to someone else about your faith in Christ, uh, we just encourage you. Go to salmonvalleybaptist.org, click on the Connect page, send us a message. We'd love to touch base with you. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to walk with you as you learn to walk with Christ. John, I love you, brother. I appreciate you being here with us, ministering in our church, serving our church, but also taking some time to get with us here on Into the Western Wild and on KSRA Radio. We sure appreciate that. Thank you, friend. All right. Until next time, where we'll see you next again on Into the Western Wild.